and welcome to another exciting episode of Matt and E Matinee. Today we'll be reviewing the film Lucky Number Eleven. Woo! So, were were you the one who picked this movie, or did I pick this movie? I think you it's, picked it, right? Yeah, it's it's been in my I should watch this list, but not strongly, but but yeah, how yeah, did, I wanted to see it. How did it get on your I should watch this list? Um, I think when it came out in 2006, I was like, this looks interesting. <laughs> and then lo and behold, 11 years later, I'm like, yeah. Still looks interesting. I should watch this, yeah. <laughs> so what, what did you think of it? All right, so you should give a brief synopsis of the Yeah, film. give a synopsis first, yeah. So, um, there's this guy who's visiting one of, oh, so the movie starts with Bruce Willis talking to this guy on a laundromat. And he tells a story of this horse race that was fixed um, like 15 or 20 years ago. And as a result of somebody gambling on it, the mob kills like kills the person and their entire family. It was like a massive killing. Um, and then Bruce Willis kills the guy he's telling it to in the laundromat. And then the movie starts where um, this guy is visiting a friend in New York. And this friend owes a lot of money to mobsters, and um, basically the mobsters confuse him for his friend, and as a result, um, they take him away, and he's required to help in an assassination of a rival gang's son, and that's basically what the premise is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess... Well, my question for you is, I assume we don't want to give anything away, right? Which means we can only really comment on, like, the first, you know... Um, you can talk about the movie without, you know, yeah, giving okay. stuff away. So I will start very generally then and say that it's a very, like, weird, like, color palette and, like, design. Like, the art direction of this film feels very weird to me and I think it's it's very stylistic it's not weird in like a bad way it's just weird in a style that I don't particularly like <laughs> it, it tries to be very cheeky I would say yeah where I mean so his uh the guy who's visiting his friend um who, who's his neighbor is played by Lucy Liu and she's kind of the love interest in the film and like her conversations with the protagonists are kind of, you know, they're trying to investigate. She's trying to sort of investigate if, you know, his friend is there or if this guy is like legit. And, you know, he's trying to figure out, solve his identity crisis thing. And so they have these conversations like, oh, what happens if you have to fight mobsters? Well, you should do this. And like, you know, the very weird, um, like, you know, not unrealistic dialogue, but that's meant to be very playful. Mm-hmm. I would sort of say that's the main theme of the movie, like just this, or not, you know, um, stylistic theme of the movie, which is just sort of this, you know, playful, weird, cheeky nature. Yeah, agreed, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, just the yeah, the look of it, the dialogue, the things that happen. I mean, it's a very I don't know. I want to say unrealistic, not in a, again, not in a bad way. Surrealistic, obviously, I would say. yeah, surreal. Yeah, that's a good expression to use. Surrealistic. Um, but yeah, I guess 
I didn't, hmm, I didn't love it. I wasn't like, oh, this is the best movie ever. Or like, oh, this is a really good movie. But it was like, this is interesting. I don't know. What did you think about it? It reminded me slightly of Snatch um, by Guy Ritchie, which is one of my favorite films um, and is just way better than, than Lucky Number 11. <laughs> um, In I what mean, way was it similar? You sort of have, you know, people, you know, gang, different gang people who have these larger-than-life reputations and they're trying to, you know trying to accomplish something. They're, they're competing to accomplish something. And I think the appeal of this movie, Lucky Number 11, is the sort of bizarre characters that are in it. Yeah. Um, so the two rival gangs, um, they, they're bo- both very afraid of each other. So they live in these two towers that are across the street from each other that are like, you know, completely bulletproof. But, um, like it's this whole thing where they've lived, they've been trapped in these rooms for twenty years, or trapped in these buildings for twenty years, or something like that. Um, and you have Bruce Willis, who's what's his name, like uh, Good Cat or something. He's an assassin, mm-hmm. and you know he's like the ultimate assassin, and he does all these different things. One of the gang's leaders is called the Rabbi because he's an actual rabbi. Um, again, with a surrealism, he's an actual rabbi. And he has a son called the fairy, who's who's gay, and it's like they have these characters that are supposedly larger than life, mm-hmm. but they really don't ha- hold a candle to like the characters in Snatch, like um, Bulletproof. I mean, if you haven't seen Snatch, none of these names are gonna make any sense. These, these characters in like in Snatch, you have Brad Pitt playing this um, this gypsy guy who is a bare-knuckle brawler who knocks people out with one punch. And you have, um, I don't remember his name, um, the, the so- he's a former soccer player who played the Juggernaut. Um, but he plays this character, Bulletproof Tony, who's this bounty hunter who's, like, you know, invincible and, like, you know, incredibly frightening. And you have, you know, uh, I don't know, you have all kinds of just, like, these completely zany characters in Snatch as opposed to these somewhat interesting characters in um, Lucky Number 11. And it's notable that the cast of Lucky Number 11 is quite impressive. We've got yeah. Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, um, uh, Stanley guy, Tucci, Stanley Tucci, um, Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis, Lucy Liu, Lucy Liu. Very good. Generally yeah. are in this movie. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it is kind of fascinating how many people got together and got in it. Um, and you compare that to, like, Snatch, who, it's got Jason, it was, it was not Jason Statham's start, but, you know, it was certainly before he got big. And I used to also have Benicio Del Toro. Uh, Vinnie Jones is the, the blow to Tony. Uh, hmm. But, like, you know, you have a lot of no-name actors in, I, I used to have Brad Pitt, too, but you have these much smaller actors in Snatch who just play a lot larger roles. Mm-hmm. The roles are a lot larger than life. I think it's sort of the the script just isn't as good, and the action isn't as tight. It's just yeah. not as good a movie. Yeah, I would agree. I just I actually don't know if I've seen Snatch, but I can I can see where this film could have been better, and it just was kind of as you say, just a little looser 
It wasn't tight. It wasn't firing on all cylinders. The acting is great. I mean, these are great actors, right? But I think this, the script and partly the dialogue and partly the plot, it's just kind of, it gets kind of convoluted in some ways. Like, there's a lot of, like, flashbacks, which can work sometimes, but I feel but I feel like in this film, they kind of just weigh it down and make the action not, like, as, you know? I mean, we start with this huge flashback at the beginning, which is not uncommon. But then, you know, you know that it's somehow relevant to the story. And it's not until much later that you see why. And again, that's not uncommon. But I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't... It didn't deliver... In the I mean, way none that of the I characters were particularly interesting, um, and the main characters—they were has... unusual, but they weren't really yeah. interesting. Yeah, the main character has that thing where he like he doesn't get anxious. Like he has a disease where he oh, doesn't yeah. get anxious. He explains this when Lucy Liu's character is like, "Aren't you worried that you're like going to these like mob places?" And he's like, "No, I have this disease where I don't get." And it's like, what? And then I wonder if he actually has that disease. I don't know. Anyway, do you think he actually has that? Or was that just him explaining why he wasn't nervous? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. Anyway. Um, His name is Slevin. It's just, there's some strangeness. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's surrealism, but not to the point of where it's like actually very interesting surrealism. Yeah. Like. It's slightly surrealistic, but not... I guess it's it's kind of in, like, the... I feel like with surrealism, there's an uncanny valley, um, I guess, when it comes to to being realistic versus unrealistic. And, you know, if something's realistic, that's fine. You know, all movies are surrealistic to a certain extent because, you know, real life doesn't have themes. Real life doesn't have, you know, Chekhov's God. Um, so there is mm-hmm. some surrealism inherently in film. But, you know, if mm-hmm. you have a little bit, that's fine. Or if you have, like, you know, a very surrealistic film, that can also be quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of get in, like, you know, a middle point where it's a little weird. And Arisa was saying she was somewhat off-put by sort of the the level of weirdness, even though I don't think it was that strange of a movie. Um, mm-hmm. It was a... It, it's, it's trying to be kind of cheeky, and um, it... It is, but, it, yeah, it's kind of... It's in a weird place in terms of how surrealistic it is. Yeah. Um, the music, I don't, I don't really remember anything about the, <laughs> the music of this film. I was thinking about it too. I'm like, what, what was there to say about the music? I feel like nothing special. Um, really, the thing that struck me the most about this film, besides like the main things you think about with a film, is the set design. And the color palette, which were just, like, there was a lot of checkered, you know, he wore, like, checkered knit vests, and, like, the patterns were weird on the wallpaper, and I was just like, does anybody actually live in a place that looks like this? Yeah. So, I don't know. Music, whatever. This movie takes place in New York, right? Yeah. And I assume in, It doesn't feel like New York. No, and that's... I mean, that adds to your, like, you know, feeling like it's trying to be surreal but not hitting the mark because it's not, 
Yeah, as we mentioned, like it's about you know this he, this guy there's a case of mistaken identity and he gets caught up in this like mobs these these two uh, warring mobs and they live in these two towers that are like massive and the only way they can feel safe is to live in them and so the the mob, the mob leaders have been trapped there for like twenty years. But it's New York City, like presumably there's not just two mobs in New York City and if you were confined to a building you'd be you know, not able to accomplish much. Like, why would they... It seems weird to me that they put it in New York City because they don't use anything about New York City. It actually seems kind of counter to their point um, because these are supposed to be these huge, very impressive mob leaders and I just don't think you could have the type of... Not that I, you know, know a lot about criminalities in the East Coast or anywhere, but it seems <laughs> to me that, like, you know, it would be hard to dominate New York under those conditions. Like to have yes. a, to run an effective criminal enterprise in New York just seems unrealistic to me. If you're afraid to leave leave your your house, agreed. So I don't know why they just didn't put somewhere else. Like you know, I mean, New I'm, Jersey. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they could have put it in like Newark, which is less no, notable, but like you know, could have put it in Vancouver. They could have put it in, I don't know, Atlanta. Maybe Driver takes place in Atlanta. There's nothing notable about Atlanta and Baby Driver, but it's believable yeah. in terms of a small city that's got roads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. just the, their choice of New York doesn't add anything and, you know, just makes the movie less believable. Yeah. So I looked up. So the director, we didn't mention that, and I feel like usually we do. The director... Paul McGigan, I might be pronouncing that wrong, it's Scottish, um, best known for directing Lucky Number no. 11, Gangster Number no. 1, and Push, uh, but all of those were kind of a while ago, now he's mostly doing TV stuff. I don't know, yeah, definitely, when I was watching it, I was definitely like, I feel like this director is not from the United States. I don't know, just something about it, and not like, again, not like in a bad way, it just felt like, it felt like it was I guess yeah that surrealism without like actually being able to land it in a believable way again surrealism not believable but you know what I mean yeah yeah so what has this guy done that's... so he's done he did the scandal pilot which is pretty cool he did Sherlock he did two episodes of Luke Cage. Yeah. Which Designated two Survivor though? pilot. The writer did this movie, a couple of uh, TV shows that I haven't heard of, and War Dogs, which I also thought was not great. I don't even know what movie that is. Oh, it's another that's, hustling movie. That's the Jonah Hill, um, the other guy, what's the other guy? Miles Teller. Miles Teller movie. Okay. Miles Teller actually reminds me of a, a young uh, John Cusack. I can see that. Yeah, he's but funny. I, I tend to think people just look the same. So. Maybe oh, they both you mean have in terms of hair. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they don't look that different, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so what do you think? What do you want to give it? I mean, there's more. I think there's more to talk about for this movie. What um, is there more to say about it? 
The acting. I mean, I, I talk about the acting a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that the main the main character has a condition where he doesn't feel anxiety, kind of. I don't know. It, it definitely adds to the surrealism. It's very hard for there to be, to be tension built in this movie because, like, the main character doesn't see the protagonist, who's the only one who's actually in a lot of danger, seems tense. Maybe that undercuts it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, you have you have these all star actors, and they're doing fine, but it's pretty unremarkable. Like I said, like the most shocking thing about to me about this movie is that they were able to hire all of these like you know such high end talent. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know. They did, and it made back its money in the box office. Like it wasn't a flop. It was critically like not well received. Yeah, but I'm it... surprised that we watched this movie because it's it's such a yeah. A budget twenty seven million made back fifty six million. Kind of uh, fifty three on Metacritic. It's a very mad movie with, which is surprising given its cast. Yeah. But um, yeah, but the I mean, yeah, so the acting was was fine. Um, yeah. Not super notable. Oh, so this is maybe interesting. Have you the the um the music was um composed by Jay Ralph, who is actually like I mean, he's gone on to do a lot, a lot, a lot of um documentary compositions, like composing documentaries. This the most recent one was Jim the James Foley story, which was in um the 2016 what was it 2016 no in the 2017 oscars nominated um so that's interesting i you know clearly this guy is pretty well known oh he's won several yeah anyway i don't know i'm just looking up random stuff about this film now <laughs> j ralph i'm sure the music was good then because i've heard was, his stuff it was, before uh, it was fine Everything about this movie is fine. <laughs> Nothing is bad about this movie. It's just... Why bother? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah. I think if you like capers, this is good. Not like the best this caper film. <laughs> there's no one I would recommend. Uh, no, there's one I would tell you you'd have to see this movie too. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but if, if you're if like I'm... looking for a caper film and you've already watched all of them, this is a good one to watch next. If I if I hadn't seen this movie and I'm scanning through Netflix, and but I knew how good it was, <laughs> I, if, if I listened to this review, but I hadn't seen this movie, and I was looking through Netflix, and I've been looking through Netflix for like five minutes and I couldn't pick a movie, and this movie came up and I was kind of in the mood for something that was a little bit light, a little bit surrealistic. Um, I I would maybe watch this because I was t be tired of trying to find a film that I wanted to watch. That being said, um, otherwise it's not, it's not really notable. It's not worth going out of your way to see if it's on TV and there's nothing else good on. Sure. Watch it. But like, I wouldn't go out of your way to watch it. There's nothing offensive about this movie, except it's a little bit overly surrealist or it's sort of like weird levels of surrealism and, 
its choice of New York City is just wrong. Um, but <laughs> just totally flat out wrong. They should have picked a different city to put this in. I don't know. And that's why I'm giving it a three out of five. Yeah, I feel like I would give it a low three, high two. I give it a low three. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's not offensive to watch. It's enjoyable. It's just there's so many better movies out there that yeah. this is probably not worth your time. Agreed. But if you do spend time doing it, you'll probably be like, "Oh, that was fine. That was." Inoffensive. <laughs> Inoffensive is the best we can give this film right now. <laughs> and that's why I'm giving it an inoffensive out of five. Sweet. Cool. Matinee, matinee. Manatee, manatee. Have a nice day. <laughs>